Welcome to the Scrum.org Community Podcast, a podcast from the home of Scrum. In this podcast, we feature professional Scrum trainers and other Scrum practitioners sharing their stories and experiences to help learn from the experience of others. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. I'm Ryan Ripley with Agile for Humans and professional Scrum trainer with Scrum.org. I'm stepping in as a guest host for episodes highlighting the experiences of other Scrum.org professional Scrum trainers. I hope you enjoy getting to know these amazing people. All right, welcome to a new episode of Becoming a Scrum Master. I'm here with my good friend, Lawrence. Lawrence, it's great to see you. Great to see you too, Ryan. Lawrence is a fellow professional Scrum trainer, but before he was a Scrum trainer, he was a Scrum Master. And we're going to jump right into it, this brand new series. Lawrence, can you share the story of how you first encountered Scrum and what motivated you to become a Scrum Master? Was there a particular moment or experience that sparked your interest? Yeah, and actually it's a horror story because that moment was when I had decided and offered and actually quoted to one of our customers to work with something called Open Up, which was a lightweight version of the rational unified process. Okay. And then the CTO of the company I worked for, he said, no, <laughs> we're not going to do that. Actually, he said it a bit more forcefully, but let's keep it civil. So I thought, okay, so if we're not going to do that lightweight version of RUP that I selected. So what are we going to do? And he said, you're going to do Scrum and you're going to like it. And I was like, yeah, I liked it immediately a lot less than if I'd selected it myself. And that's actually something I currently still quote to people in my training. That's probably not the best way to introduce it to someone. So it was Scrum by force. Yeah. Always the best way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I yeah, would <laughs> my, my boss back on. here totally approves. Yes, exactly. Um, so clearly you got pushed into this. Hopefully you got a little bit of training, got to read some books, got to do all of the good learning things. So as you're in the middle of using Scrum, was there a specific project or situation where you had this eureka moment where you saw the power and potential of Scrum, even though it was forced on you? Was there a moment where the flip or the light switch went off and you're like, oh, this is great. And can you describe that experience. Yeah, sadly, in that project that we're talking about right now, uh, that moment happened after we got kicked out. So my first Scrum experience was a true learning experience, and I learned basically everything on how not to do it well. The thing was that at the end, when it really clicked that Scrum was in fact awesome, was having failed so miserably at that first Scrum project, a couple of months later, the team that followed us up and did it old school, waterfall, solid, uh, like plan driven with four times more people, they also failed at exactly the same point. <laughs> and that was when it hit home hard. Okay, so even with Scrum, if you're doing something that's doomed to fail, you'll fail so much faster and better and harder. That actually saves the client a ton of money that they would have otherwise spent on, on getting something built they don't need which is exactly what happened when they tried it again with a different approach. And that was for me, the real thing, because see, even if I, if, even if this goes wrong, like quite horribly wrong, that's actually better than, than the alternatives. At least that was what I learned at that point in time. And from then that moment forward, I was like, everything is going to happen with scrum, which is in and of itself. Another thing I learned to not do later. 
<laughs> but so at that point, yeah, it was I was just a fan. A lot of trial by fire here, it sounds like. Yes. But came out better the the other end. So was there eventually a project or an initiative that you worked on where you where it clicked and it was like, all right, this makes a lot of sense? Or were the failure modes enough to where the hardcore failure was enough to convince you that this is a good framework? The hardcore failure triggered me trying it again and again because I okay. thought this has to work. And at some point, I did this big government assignment. And there I stealthily worked with the team to create, I think, arguably still the most awesome scrum team I've ever led. It was a small team, and we did it all. Uh, built end-to-end, really focused on being able to deliver fast. And that reached like highest levels of audit requirements. And then on the outside, it looked like a very classically managed project, I have to add. But on the inside, it became a close-knit team, and most of those people still work with each other, call each other, and they like to meet up from time to time because that truly was one of the best teams I've ever been on. It's amazing. So how has your perception and execution of the Scrum Master role or of the accountabilities, how has that evolved? And are there aspects of the roles or accountabilities that you now view differently compared to when you started? Oh, yes. Uh, almost all of them, actually. Um, Tell me more. I, I entered into Scrum and Scrum Mastery coming from project management and program management. So I had basically all the anti-patterns lots of people love to um, make jokes about, and that was me. Um, so I did planning, and I, I told people what to do, and all the things that, come to think of it, maybe are not Scrum at all, right? So <laughs> I even did lots of work for the team and logging their hours and making sure everything was hunky-dory. That part teams tend to love, right? So that somehow I still end up doing that as a Scrum Master. But I also learned the true role of being like a product owner uh, and the responsibility that uh, entails. That shifted from being mostly the people who told us what to do and work on the problems and then finally we have a single point of contact and I call that one the product owner into a much more engaged and actually very participatory way of deciding what to work on and explaining the reasons why. So much more than just a list keeper. And for the Scrum Master, which I tended to be, something really similar, much more than just like the project administrator and the person who keeps others busy and essentially make sure that they become like high performance, quote unquote. This was truly in service of the people becoming a team, much more coaching and much more guiding and much less directive than when I started doing this. So it's true supportive leadership and also expanding that out to talking to anyone who would make this team or the set of teams more awesome, including top management and, as it so happens, even CEOs. And they tended to be surprised by somebody from the low end of the company coming all the way up to talk to them. And that was something I learned the hard way, of course, but still, that's really um, how my thinking evolved, mostly by by failing miserably at first, but then thinking, so why did this went wrong? So what do I need to do to correct that? Yeah, it's a, it's the... It's not the typical story of 
It's not the typical rom-com version of how I met Scrum. It's nothing. I was miserable in my waterfall world and I met this great thing called Scrum and I, my projects were better and I was happier. We fell in love, but then it hurt me. And then I came back and that's the normal kind of path. And it sounds like it was just a bad first date and you just kept coming back for more. Um, <laughs> Terrible rom-com, Lawrence. Yeah, I know it is a bit of a weird arc to it story-wise, but still, I I really started to love it because of the end result that I yeah. had and because it was much more collaborative. It truly felt like teamwork and much less like directing people what to do and keeping check and, and making sure that they actually did it. And that was a nuanced path, but it's still, in the end, it's to me, I would have it no, no other way, right? Really work so with a team help them become maximum awesome, but also be part of that team myself. Prior to using Scrum, what did you do? Were you a traditional project manager? You mentioned RUP. Oh, yes. Perhaps yeah. that was your first love affair was RUP. Can you talk about the way you worked prior to going down the first your first Scrum project? Yeah, actually, prior to my first Scrum project, I was, and hold on to your hat here, I was a maintainer of the manual for project execution at a, a big system integrator. And I was a, a true project management fanatic. And I was, I, I wasn't like really truly directive because to be honest, I mostly always been a nice guy, but I was firmly in control, right? So that was the challenge. How, how to be in control of something essentially uncontrollable. Um, so were you and, wielding like the Gantt chart of power? Oh yes, yeah, Gantt charts, the whole, the planning wazoo. Uh, actually, at that point in time, I think I may have a certificate somewhere that says something like Microsoft Project on it still, but <laughs> I, I hide it, of course, because otherwise LinkedIn recruiters will find me and make me a project planner somehow, which is my nightmare because I did project planning, I did it well, and I hated every minute of it. So for me, Scrum, that that, that was the start of the love affair. Scrum was, ah, oh, we can do this together, which hurts yep. way less, and... Also, the plans are better and not just a little bit better, but if I make the plan, it, it, mechanically it works, but then the people, of course, never actually do it that way. Yeah, and I, when they make the plan, it's so much better. And that was the scrum way, at least that's what somebody told me that was the scrum way. For me, that has always been the scrum way ever since, do everything with regard to planning together. And the plans are just better. It's a bit simplistic, but fortunately, sometimes life is actually less hard than we make it. So you started out traditional project management, Gantt chart wrangling, Microsoft project experts. So recruiters out there, Lawrence knows project very well. Be sure to reach out to him. <laughs> Was voluntold that you will do Scrum. So that's interesting because a lot of people will ask, how do I get my first experiences into Scrum? And they're digging up ways and you're just no you were told you were thrust into it you will thou shalt do this it failed but you loved that it failed sooner than traditional methods and you could save time and money and effort and heartache because it is a rom-com apparently yeah exactly. um, and then over time you use scrum and you saw the collaborative nature working together the collaborative planning especially stood out as because it led to better plans more brains very obvious. And then, of course, from there, you went on to become a trainer and now you teach and write. Go ahead and hold up a copy of your book. Sadly, I don't have a copy what? of my book right here at the desk. 
We have companion books. You've got to hold. Oh, Lauren's. I was looking glorious for so, purple cover as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, the it's glorious the, purple. In, it's, it's somewhere behind me, but let's not like. No, get you're up good. And, so Lawrence, of course, wrote uh, a book in the Scrum.org series on agile leadership. So the professional agile leader with Ron, Arigna, and yeah, and Kurt Bittner. And so from going from Mr. Rupp to published author in the Scrum.org series is quite the journey. Lawrence, I appreciate you sharing that with us. The last question I've got for you. What advice would you give to someone aspiring to be a scrum master? Is there a particular mindset, skill, or habit that you believe is crucial for success in this role? It's a combination of two. First one is just get started. Just do it. Read the scrum guide and get after it. Do not expect to be good at this from day one or after taking a class, not even one of the classes that are as excellent as the one that you teach, Ryan. <laughs> Thank but you. The, and you as well, sir. But the, and then the next thing there is as you just ease into it, be ready to renegotiate commitment all the time. And uh, what I mean there is promise what you'll work at. And then the minute you discover that's not going to happen or it's not going to work or whatever, immediately renegotiate the commitment. As if it's something normal, right? So do not make excuses for it, but just do that. That's a thing I've picked up along the way. Advice given to me from a really dear friend that when I started really doing that, everything became better immediately because you stop truly disappointing people. Because the only way to really disappoint somebody is to not tell them you're going to disappoint them. And then it's a surprise and not a nice one. And those two combined that that definitely will help you become a great scrum master great we got a bonus question for you since we've got just a, a minute left here what is the one book every scrum master should read and we we're not allowed to name our own books ah good of course of course they should read our books but what else yeah that, that that's hard because i always tell them to read your book <laughs> okay so but, you're saying fixing your scrum yes is a, okay yeah, so I that's really, okay we all agree that's a great book. book yeah yeah um, okay. it's, it's great advice and it's, it's written in a very engaging way. So for me, that would be, that honestly would be the pro tip. So get Ryan's book, y'all. Pro tip <laughs> is reading, fixing your scrum. All right. Yes. I will take it. I am shameless. I will take it. So Lauren's, I appreciate you doing this. It's great to see you. And I, I really appreciate you joining us. Anything you want to plug before you go? The one thing I would love Scrum Masters to also look into is to visualize information for their teams, with their teams, and to the whole organization um, using Obea as a philosophy, not just as a tool, which mm. is essentially a, a war room or a room with all the information on the walls, or could be digital as well. I've done maybe that for an ages. EDM but, dashboard. Yeah, but no, <laughs> yeah, dashboard's done if, if you definitely want that. Uh, but it's not a um, a dashboard with just little meters on. It's really to have great discussions. Yep. And to me, it's story mapping, which is another technique I really like, but it's story mapping that then for plans and, and for, for strategies and how to execute them cool. and because it ties all that stuff together. And it ties the two things I'm most passionate about together, which is visualization using graphic recording and sketch noting and scrum for me, it was like an awesome discovery. So I've been getting after that for quite a bit now. 
So that would be wonderful. Great. We'll have to have you back to have that discussion on, on a future show. So Lawrence, I appreciate you. Thanks for doing this. And uh, hey, stay well. Awesome. Thank you, Ryan.